His love was fully poured out on the cross. And so whenever God says in the Bible to the people of God, if you want to grow in your relationship with me, open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart. There's this openness that has to come so that we can understand and, and begin to grow in our relationship with God. Now, if you guys are here, you know that every preacher has three points. And that's the case today. I'm going to come at you with three points. But let me just say this. That's not what it's about. What's about is coming together as a group like this so that we can help one another begin to grow in our walk with God. If we don't accomplish that, then, then nothing else happens. And so, and so as we talk about, as we're talking about moving and getting better at helping the next generation become successful, I just want to, to tell you that as I came to a relationship with Christ when I was 28, when I was later on in life, the reason I say that, because, you know, when you're 28, you're, you know, you're, you're moving to the place where you're like your parents again. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, a place where you know everything. You don't like mama there. They're stupid. And then there's a place where you actually say, hey, they're not as stupid as I thought. Now, y'all went through that same thing, too. And that, that comes at about 28 or 30, you know, you go, wow, you know, they're not so bad. Anyhow, it was, I mean, I'd gone through a lot to get to this place where I come to the Lord. And the reason I say that is, is because there was a clear point, there was a clear time when God said, I want you to open your eyes that I'm a God that's close to you. I'm a God that's close to you. Do y'all remember the song that Bette Midler sang that says, God's far off watching you from a distance? Anybody remember that from the late 80s? Somebody, somebody say, I remember that that's young. Uh, this, all the old people remember it that are my age. But any young people know, know that song? It, there's a song that says, God is what? You know, in other words, it was a political song, you know. It was, a, it was this, you know, how are you responding? How are you treating people? God's watching us from a distance kind of thing. And I was in prayer, and I'd just come to the Lord, and God says, I'm not, a, I'm not a God that watches you from a distance. I'm a God that's up close and personal. The reason I'm saying all that is there's no way to grow into an intimate relationship with God if you just think he's far off watching you from a distance. You've got to come to a place where your eyes are open to the fact that he's in, the, he's in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He, he is constantly wanting to communicate with you and reveal more and more and more. I just want to tell you, it's really hard to preach when you get filled with the Holy Spirit again. I just felt like I got filled with the Holy Spirit all over again, fresh and new. Don't you know that that happens over and over and over? That you're constantly being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. But David was a guy that's just, I mean, I just love David. I know Paul's a good guy. He's probably an intellectual guy. Some of you intellectuals can probably relate to him. Not so much me. Peter's kind of a good guy. I kind of like Peter because he was, he was wild and stupid, made all kind of stupid mistakes, always stuck his foot in his mouth. You probably can, some of you can relate to him. I know you can. I've witnessed it firsthand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I like Peter. I mean, I, you know, I can relate to Peter, but David's my guy. David was a warrior and a worshiper. Man, I just love that combination. A warrior and a worshiper. And he, he, he learned a lot. He, he, he wanted to pass down to, to the next generation his understanding of who his God was. 
He was passionate and committed to pass down his love and his understanding of his God. He was determined. He was, he was totally motivated by that. He, he was motivated by that. God is a close-up God. David knew he was. He, he stayed out in the fields. Think about this. And sometimes I think we lose this in the city. You know, we've got street lights, we've got all this stuff, but think about, think about and being out in the country a little bit, although I still got street lights and all that stuff, you know, and you would be amazed at how much that blocks the many stars that are in the sky. But David used to sit out all the time in the pastures and he'd look around, he'd look up in the heaven and go, man, these heavens, they're, they're amazing. Because you're an amazing God. I see your glory in heaven. You know, the Bible says that the creation reveals the glory of the Lord. So you, you, you get out there and you see, you see, and David, David saw that all the time. He saw it all the time. And he knew that God was a close-up God. And he had knowledge of that. He knew God was creator. And he knew he, he owned it all. There was, this, there was this realization that God owned it all. You know, as we, as we live our lives in America, in the American church, oftentimes what we do is we have this idea that, 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 you know, some kind God empowered us to be owner. And, and you know, David says that we're, we're going to read it in just a minute, that we're, we're shadow and we're gone. God owned it before, he'll own it afterwards. He, he, had, a, he had a clear deal that he didn't own anything, that God owned it all. And we're going to read that and be challenged by that here in just a minute. But he wanted to pass that understanding of God to the next generations. He, he, he understood that, that our lives are short-lived. He, he knew that we're here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, we're, it's, it's like quick. You know, we're, we're like the grass, the Bible says. We don't like to think about those kinds of things. But sobriety helps us understand that. Then we can serve the Lord better. And I'm going to talk about that as we go along today. When, when, when Liz and I have lost both sets of our parents, then it was unique. That's a unique time because we're the patriarch. We're the old people in our family now. And that's hard to come to grips with. <laughs> now you're going to have to do it too, so don't laugh at me. But anyway, so here we are. We're the patriarchs, right? And uh, we realized that the family, that the, that the house that she bought when she was a little girl and that she lived in all her lives is, is now owned by another family. The same is true for mine. From, from a little boy, and now I'm, now I'm almost 60 years old. And from the time I, from the time I was a little boy <laughs> until now, that house is lived in by somebody else, and my parents are long gone. And the truth of the matter is, when I'm long gone, that house is going to be solid. And I don't know how many generations of people that are come and gone are going to actually own that house. I mean, you can go back, Bob, I know when you, when you were a boy and you can look at things. I know some things have been torn down, but some things are still alive, right, Bob? I mean, the, you can go back and you can see your history and go, I remember that when I was a kid. I remember that when I was a kid. Here, there, and other. But it just, it's quick. David knew that, and he knew that he didn't own anything. And so let's look at David and what he was motivated by, and how he ordered his steps based on this idea of setting up the next generation for success. 
First Chronicles chapter 28, First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9 and 10. This is from the New Living Translation. He's talking to his boy Solomon, and he says, Solomon, my son. He says, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Now, I want you to read this with me. Let's read it out loud and loudly. He says, Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Now, he's about to pass kingship to Solomon. And when you think about the king of Israel, you, all, you have to think about he was president, he was priest, and leader. He was spiritual leader, he was governmental leader, and he was son of God, right? And so he's, he's about to pass this authority to Solomon, and he says, oh, this, is, this is number one. Learn, learn to know your God intimately. I don't care how long you've been following the Lord. There is this process of learning about your God. There's this position and posture that you put yourself in. And, and David is saying to his son, this intimate, this process of committing to learn to know your God intimately, you do that, son. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. This is so key. Serving with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and every thought. He already knows all those things. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. <laughs> so take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Be strong. Say that with me. Be strong and do the work. You know, so oftentimes what we do as believers is we pray, God, here's your work assignment. God, I've got this for you. God, I need this done. God, could you do this? Could you do this? Could you do this? Here, here's your, here's your to-do list, God. You pray to him, and, and, and Solomon says, here is the call. I mean, uh, David said to uh, Solomon, here's the call. Be strong and do the work. So uh, David, being the man he was, the man of God that he was, he, he knew his call. Here, here's the hard part about the story. See, we all want to be the center of the call. We all want to be the one who, who everything centers around when, when it comes to the call. But he, here's the truth. He says, David, David, I've got these tasks for you to do, but you're, you're not the one. You're not the one. Your son, the next generation, they're the ones. They're the ones. It's not you. It's them. And David was good. David said, David said to the Lord, really? Well, what can I do? How can I help? You know, what, what is it you're asking? He was satisfied and content with what the Lord had called him to do. And, and the alignment. And when you see in Christendom, everybody wants to be here. 
I see it all the time in churches like you know come from very large background of churches and so many people when you say what's your call it's always got to do with teaching and the bible says not don't let many of you want to be a teacher because the judgment's greater if that's who you're called to be don't don't you know don't don't that's but but that's what you always hear you always say i want to be i want to be the one and and and, and most of the time god's saying you're not the one Right? And you've got to know and you've got to be content Then I'm okay. So, what, so if I'm not it, God, how can I help? He, David was completely content with passing on the stuff. You know, think about this. Think about how well he knew God, how well he knew his plan. When, you know, he's anointed by, by uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the prophet. Samuel, thank you. He's anointed by Samuel to be king, to be king, and and ten years Saul tried to kill him because he was jealous. And David had several opportunities to take care of Saul, get him on out of there, and take his rightful place. Because he knew he'd already been called out as the, the anointed king. And but but he says, I will not touch. The Lord's anointed. It's God's time, and God's got this. I'm going to just serve the Lord in whatever capacity I can serve Him until the time comes where He 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 makes a way for my gift and my calling. He He all His life He understood and was content with the calling that was on Him. That's a challenge for us in the church. What's your calling? Well. The first place that every believer, every believer, and this is so vital in this in this time, there there is a there is an ambush going on against the word of God. There's an ambush going on of what sin is. And there are people all over the place that are scared to call sin sin and be identified with the Christian Christianity because of the cultural uh, stigma that goes with saying that certain things are sin. And if we don't have this, this solid foundation of belief that this is the Word of God, then there's no way that we're going to set up the next generation for success. The starting place is to understand this is the Word of God, and there is no other. And you can count on this. And so your call, every believer's call, is to know the Word. Period. My job is not to know the Word of God for you. That is not my call. My call is to know the Word of God and to begin to communicate that to you. But it's your call to know the Word. I mean, that's it. it it's your call. And you can't do anything else until you know your call. Because it says about the Word that the Word actually is what brings healing. And so, and so we have to believe the Word and receive your healing. You've got to receive your healing. The Word of God heals. God sends it to do things. You, you stand on it. You believe it. I know we got, i pointing you guys out again. I know you guys are here from a long way because you want to be in fellowship with people who believe in healing. 
And God says, you've got to know the Word, you've got to believe the Word, and, and you've got to let the Word bring healing to you. You've got to let it bring healing to you. And when you're healed, mind, soul, and body, as we heard last week, when you're healed, mind, soul, and body, yes, then you're a witness to the glory of the Lord. So you know the Word. You're called to know the Word. Your, your call is to be healed by the Word, and your call is to be a witness to those that are far off, witness to those around you. You know, I, yesterday I was at the chicken kicking down here at the Panther Stadium. The chicken kicking. UNC beat South Carolina in Panther Stadium yesterday. I just I was there, and I was on the losing side, and it was depressing, and I had to get saved again last night so I could come free. <laughs> and there's this dude walking around, and he was saying, he had little tracks, and he was hollering out, "Jesus saves! Jesus saves!" And he does. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, just go be healed and tell everybody how the Lord healed you. Just go be healed and tell, tell everybody how the Lord healed you. I was blind and now I see. I had a heart that, that failed. Now I have a new artery that goes all the way around. <laughs> I mean, I, there, there's just testimony after testimony. The healing power of God. He is the healer. That's his name. That's what he does. That's who he is. He doesn't decide to heal. He is healer. And he says, do that. And, and David knew that. And he tells his son, you go know God intimately. This is who he is. Receive your healing. Receive the call. Go do the call. So at minimum, no matter what you do, no matter how you embark in life, your first calling is to know the Word and to receive your healing. Until you do that, don't do anything else. You know, you're not going to get completely healed. You're going to be in this process, and I want you to go in the process. Don't be scared, but commit to the process. Seriously commit. He says, he, he, he says to his son, he says, make sure, make sure that you, you serve God with your whole heart, with everything that's within you, and you come to him with a willing mind. You see, there's this, there's this thought process of David. He says, I know, this is my call. My call is to know your word. My call is to know you. My call is to believe you. My call is to believe you. And then my call is to be willing, to be obedient. If you're obedient to the Word of God, you don't have to worry about calling. He will do it. He'll make it happen. That's what we see in this story. We see this willing vessel. We see this one who says, yes, God, how can I serve you? What can I do? And you, what you see is this, this promise that David gives in Chronicles that if we'll come to God like that, he'll do the work. If we work our way into obedience, that God makes it, makes sure that it is carried out. And everything David did, his eyes were on the next generation. There was an understanding, then it didn't end with him. David was determined and willing. 
to give his all. He was all in. And it didn't matter whether he was king, priest, it didn't matter what, in other words, it didn't matter what his job was. He served the Lord and he led by example. Now I'm going to read a bunch of scripture here. And this is in Chronicles. But I want to encourage you as you go home today, as I point all this stuff out, you go home today, you read 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, you see this story of David actually, this transition that's going on from one generation to the next. I'm going to start, I'm going to start in, in 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm going to read uh, 10 through 20 from the New Living Translation. You're going to see the heart of God. You're going to see David's example of what his relationship was like and how he was passing that on to a whole other generation and to a body of believers that were passing it on to their generation and to, to the next generation. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, 10, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is greatness. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Yours, O Lord, is the power. Yours, O Lord, is the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. You need to understand that. You need to get a hold of that. Wealth and honor come from the Lord. Are you content? Let me say it again. Wealth and honor come from the Lord. Are you content? Well, what about capitalism? <laughs> what about it? You know, flourish. Make lots of money if God's called you to. As you know the word, as you do the word, as you witness, if you make a lot of money, if God pours out on you, you do it, man. Go get it. Tithe. <laughs> Somebody needs to laugh. Tithe. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't trade one for the other. Are you content in the honor and the wealth that God is giving you? The place in life that God has for you. There's just, he's the one that's in charge of that. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Isn't that great? Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Y'all can get responsive. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Somebody say hallelujah or something. <laughs> but who am I? And who are these people on the east side that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers on this earth and in this land, as, as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Oh, Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. 
I know, my God, that, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. Key. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. And then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and prostrate before the Lord. They knelt before their God and king. There is this incredible understanding of whose it is. There's this great desire to be obedient. Now, before that, I, I read that because I wanted you to see the heart of David before you saw what actually he did. You see, David leads by example. He's all in. He leads by example. He tells his son, he says, you go to work. You go to work, son. The call requires work. See, well, by, you know, we want to say, well, it, it's, it's not by anything you've done. It's by faith that you're saved. True. But then you've got to work. It's not like you don't have to work. Works don't get you in heaven, but you've got to go to work. We were talking last week with Dr. Schindler, and she, she was telling us that God wants to heal us, mind, soul, and body. It was this, this whole healing process. Well, some of us know that we need to, we need to exercise. Can I get an amen from Nathan? Amen. <laughs> we need to exercise, especially the preacher. We need to exercise. When we think to ourselves, where are we going to do this? When, when am I going to do it? I don't, I don't really want to do it, matter of fact. Matter of fact, I've decided I'm not going to do it. We, you know, we go through all these processes, right? You, you walk through these things, and then you talk yourself right out of it. But, but you don't get in shape without the work. You can pray to God all day long, and you will not get in shape without the work. And the thing about the New Testament, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to become the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be grace upon your life. In other words, power to no longer live in sin. But you still have to work. You have the power of God that is pushing you into righteousness. But unless you make a decision and begin to work that out, it doesn't come to pass. And when Solomon is giving the command by David to, the, the, here's your call, here's the material, here's the resources. God's going to be with you. He's not going to leave you. You make sure that you do everything he says, everything he's commanded. And if you'll do that, he'll do the rest. But the work goes into this intimate relationship to God and this obedience to his word. And so he says this in 1 Chronicles chapter, everybody say amen. amen. Come on. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 3 through 9 says this, And now because of my devotion to the temple of God, 
leading by example. I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. Now, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation because it actually gives you the measurements of what was brought. This is David's personal stash. This is in addition to the bit of materials I've already collected for the Holy Temple. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold and 262 tons, 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building. And for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsman. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They, they gave about 188 tons of gold. <laughs> Somebody say, holy cow. 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, I think, in a, uh, I think somebody told me that a large dump truck of gravel holds about 26 tons. So just to give you how much gold and silver that is, you can do the math. 275 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jael and a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. There's this, there's this leadership act of actually doing something. Now here's, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Cheryl said, that she felt like the Lord was saying today that we're going to have to, he, he wants to change a culture. He wants to change a way of thinking. And the only way to do that, and the biggest, I think the biggest struggle in our nation and for this preacher and probably you too, is to really, now we can say it with our lips, but we don't really believe it in our hearts, is that it's all the Lord's. Everything's the Lord's. Whatever the, you know, I know it's all the Lord's. It's all the Lord's until he says, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You remember that? Remember Jesus? He says, I've kept the commandments ever since I was a little kid. Jesus says, oh, really? Oh, man of a pure heart. Okay, take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor. And the guy walks away sad. You see, I think the, I think the hard place and it's hard to even preach because people's like, you, you, that preacher's nuts. But coming to the place where you really believe that it's all God's. And anything he asks you to do, you're willing. Well, I want you to downsize and I want you to give the difference. I want you, instead of giving 10, I want you to give 40. Or, well, you know, I'm not saying that's what you're supposed to do. I'm just saying if the Lord asked you that, what would be your response? Most of our response is, ain't no way. You want me to do what? You see, because we really just don't really believe that it's all God's. And there comes this place where we, we've, we've, 
we've really got to come to that. And I don't think God's going to do any of that. I think he's already established in his word wants, what he wants us to give. But the point is, we don't really have a mind. We have a mindset. I mean, we've got this grab mentality. We grab everything we can, and we hold on to it. It's mine. I mean, from the time we're two, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And that's, that's, who we, that's the sin nature. And God says, no, it's not yours. It's mine. Just letting you manage it. First Chronicles 28, 20, and 21 says, look at this. David, David is now given this command to the next generation, and he's setting them up for success. And David says this. He says, be strong and courageous. Say that out loud. Be strong and courageous. Wait, now, now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If you're having to be strong and courageous, is it hard? Is what I'm asking you or talking about today, is it hard? So It is. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then this next statement is, and do the work. You want an intimate relationship with God? You want to grow in an intimate relationship with God? You're going to have to be strong and courageous. Because you're not going to look like the rest of the world. You're going to have to make a decision that you're chasing Jesus. That you're going after God. That you're going to do what it takes. That you're going to be all in. And I'm going to get healed, soul, mind, and body. I'm going to know the one who created me. I'm going to know my creator. And, and I'm going to know what he says about me. And I'm going to be confident in my call. And I'm going to be content in what he asked me to do. And my focus is not going to be myself. It's going to be raising up another generation that can follow after me. And that's the call of the church. That's the call of the church. So, so how do we respond? Your call. And it is to know the word. I mean, really know it. Devote your life to it. You say, well, isn't that what paid people are supposed to do? Absolutely, it's what they're supposed to do. It's what we're all supposed to do. I'm always, I just see Abba back there. I'm always challenged by Abba every time he comes in here. He's, I don't know how he gets so much brain in that little body of his, but it's, it's kind of crazy how much he knows the word. But secondly, you've got to believe all that it says. You've got to write it on your heart, believe all that it says, and receive your healing. You've got to be, be healed. You've got you to be being healed. You've got to continually be being healed. So that you have a testimony of the glory of God. And then you've got to work. You've got to work. Work. Be strong. Be courageous. Do the work. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will see to it that the work he's called you to is finished correctly. The various divisions of, of, of priests and Levites, they'll serve the temple, he says. They'll serve the, the right people at the right time in the right place. All come around you. All kinds of skilled people are going to come around you of every kind. They're going to volunteer to help you. He says, every official, 
Every person that you're going to need is going to be underneath your command. He says that to Solomon, but it, the, 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 the truth of the message is in everything that, that we see. We've got to work. We've got to receive the call. We've got to build our testimony of healing. We've got to say, I'm all in. And then our call is to show other people how to do it. I mean, your call is just not to, I'm good. Being the Lord, we're good. That's not it. Who, who you got with you? Who needs you? Who you help grow it? Who, who you pulling beside you? Who are you testifying? Who are, who are, you, who are you saying, how you doing? Uh, in the church world, we got this great, great relationship, you know, this intimate relationship. How you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm fine. That's not relationship. Relationship is, how are you? I'm fine. No, you're not. You're lying. I can see on your face that you're not fine. What's up? How you doing? What can we pray about? How can I agree with you? How can I come alongside you? What do you do? I want to be with you. I, I don't, I don't want to judge you. I want to walk with you. I want to see healing come, reconciliation come. We, that's the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we're supposed to be doing it out there. There are so many people out there that need your testimony of healing. They don't need you to talk about Jesus. They need you to live with Jesus, being changed by Jesus, testifying of his healing in your life. In my life. He's not a God watching us far off in a distance. He's an up-close personal God who wants you to have victory, who wants you to have success, who wants to teach you who he is. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him, and he wants you to tell others. He wants you to show others how to do it. David was the example. He says, I'm going to do this. Who's doing it with me? How many of you people do you know that you work with that you say, I'm going to do this? Or are you going to do it with me? See, we're scared. One of the things he says is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go get it, man. Go get it. You're called. Not called to hear called to hear and you're called to be healed and you're called to tell others about your healing father father church is not a three-point sermon god in a four songs and three-point sermon We're supposed to be gathering together today as a body, as a family of God. And we're supposed to be, God, understanding that we need to know you in an intimate way. We need to learn to know you in an intimate way. And God, that you have established your word. And you say, if we'll, if we'll know your word, be careful to do all that it says. Write it on the forefront of our heart. Make sure that we're devoted to it. Make sure that we do all that it says. That just that one thing will make our way prosperous. There's no substitute. There's no shortcuts. 
There's no not working. We don't stand before you in worship by singing songs to you without the work that actually produces the fruit of the kingdom. Your calling requires work. Help us to see it. Help us to be content with it. And help us to be obedient to it so that the world can see your glory. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Amen.